All right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Maha Sports Podcast Network. And we got another Weekends with Swipa episode on the docket for you. Really excited for this one. We've got a lot to talk about, Swipa. We've got a lot to say. But first and foremost, man, how are you on this awesome Sunday after a Nuggets win? I'm great. I feel a lot better uh, about the team and where they are right now than I did uh, a couple of days ago. Mm, you know, after the this game, wasn't too upset, uh, but I definitely feel a lot better knowing they got out of New York with at least one win. So, you know, they look good. They look like they're getting their stride again, hopefully. So we'll have to see where they go from there. We will see. We will see. It, de- it definitely has felt like a-, a very weird time to watch the Nuggets right now where after uh, these last seven games, they're five out of their last seven in, in the loss column. And it does sort of feel like they've taken their foot off the gas overall. And when we talked about that a little bit on the last week's episode, we thought that they would turn it around a little bit more on the road trip. That didn't really manifest until this last game uh, earlier today, where I thought they performed really, really well. I thought they did a lot of what they needed to just to get back on track. But for me personally, I thought that they had done a lot in the previous game on Saturday. It just didn't actually result in a win. Uh, let's recap the week for everybody. They lose to Toronto in a barn, not a barn burner. It was, it was actually a pretty horrendous loss, uh, giving up 49 points in that first quarter and then never really making it close after that. They recover with kind of a shaky win, I would describe, against Detroit, where they pulled away in the fourth quarter because those guys are tanking for Victor Wembanyama. There ain't no doubt about that. But it felt pretty shaky throughout most of that time. And then you have this back-to-back in New York where Jamal Murray plays pretty well in both games. Michael Porter Jr. plays well in the second game. Uh, Jokic, I I was a little bit worried about him in in the, the first two and a half quarters of this past game, but he really turned it around as well. And overall, Denver has a two and two week waiting to go to this upcoming road trip game against the Washington Wizards next Wednesday. Uh, Where do you stand, Swipe? Where do you stand recapping the week? Yeah, low point was giving up 49 points to the Toronto Raptors, which is a franchise record for a quarter. Uh, the start of that game. Uh, and I think that they started to put together some runs over this week that gave you a little bit of encouragement, even leading up to the New York Knicks game. You know, they were down 19 points basically right away versus the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and then they're able to come back. They get it within three. Several different things happen at that point, and they end up falling back eight, then they fall back 12, and then they eventually – they just don't have the gas to get it done. Uh, and then following that, you know, they ended up losing or they, they beat the Pistons and then they had losing again to the Knicks. And in the Knicks game, Ryan, I think the funny thing was they were up 13 points in the third quarter. And I was very convinced that they were going to be able to pull out that win because they had the momentum. Julius Randle hadn't played super well. Jalen Brunson cooled off from the first quarter. Murray, Jokic, Porter. They started making some serious moves in that game. And then that fourth quarter, Jokic was like 2-7 of seven in the fourth, missed multiple, just bunny, some three-pointers. Murray had missed a floater off the backboard, and Porter didn't basically get a shot. So there were several things that happened that just kind of looked very un-nugget-like. You know, all year I've talked about Denver Nuggets basketball. If you're playing extremely confident, they're playing fast, they're getting a good shot, and they're playing tremendous defense, and they're swarming you at the point of attack. And you just didn't see that in the fourth quarter, which is very rare. So for them to come back versus the Brooklyn Nets, a team that had beat them at home, and Jokic missed two potential game winners in that game as well. For them to come back, and Jokic has a 22, 17, and 10 game. Murray gives you 28 points and eight assists. And by the way, Murray, in the last two games, right, has shot the 9 of 11 from three, which from where he was before, that's incredible. And then Michael Porter Jr., 28 points and nine rebounds from Michael Porter Jr. Maybe his third best game of the season behind that 29 and 11 game with the Clippers. And he had a 31 point game versus the Chicago Bulls earlier this year as well. So 
Porter's been looking excellent. Murray is seeming like he's getting his stride again. And they have another chance versus the Washington Wizards to continue to pick up the steam before they have absolute two dog bites coming up. So uh, I think the stretch was a little more down than you wanted it to be, but it seems like they're turning the ship around at the right time. You definitely get the sense, definitely get the sense that the thing is turning around a little bit. Uh, five out of seven losses, it, it wasn't It wasn't great. It, it certainly wasn't great, but for them to bounce back today against the Brooklyn Nets, where uh, obviously Porter goes off, Murray has 25 in the first half, there's a lot to like throughout the game and different guys stepping up at different points. Zeke Naji, we got to see come back. That was an interesting several minutes from Zeke, and especially in that fourth quarter. Uh, there, There's a lot to like about where this Nuggets team kind of bounced back to. I still don't think that the top end is where it needs to be heading into the playoffs. I still don't think that they have that gear, uh, or at least they lost that gear over the course of these past couple weeks that they're going to have to find. And whether they can find it or not will, will remains to be seen. We'll see how much that actually matters. Uh, but I, I'm curious to see whether you think it matters heading into these last 10 games of the season. That's such a good point, Ryan. And I think one of the things that I'm most curious about is were they taking these last two weeks off because they essentially knew they could? Um, and I think the interesting thing about that is when they beat Memphis, Ryan, they were up. Their record was 44-19. and 19. And, you know, I talked about this. They basically, they had a seven-game lead and almost, Ryan, an eight-game lead. They had a seven-game lead in the standings. But then they had basically an eight-game lead because they had the, the record versus Memphis now. So Memphis, even if they tied, they weren't going to be able to overstep them. And so it felt like from that point on, the Nuggets were like, ah, we've been playing seriously hard for three straight months. We're just going to take it all the way back. And that kind of is how it felt. And I think when I even just watched the games and rewatched them, that's what it's felt like, that this is a team that has been committed for so long, and now they feel like they're in a position to be able to, to almost to stale out a little bit. And I know that they may not have wanted to do that even, but they did it. And I think over the last couple of games, because of the losses to some of the teams they had, it's just not been a good feeling vibe. But it didn't really affect them much because they still have a four-game lead over the second place right now. So I think the good news is they got enough momentum versus the Knicks and now versus the Nets that I think they're going to take care of business versus the Wizards. But now you have playoff-level games at home versus two teams that you could potentially see in the NBA Finals. And if the never next care about this stuff, the narrative is going to be there as well. Because if you want to solidify Nikola Jokic's MVP case, well, then you better take both of these games extremely seriously. Oh, gee, I wonder wonder who would want to solidify the Jokic MVP case after uh, after making an, a very interesting takes from the future prediction on the last <laughs> podcast that I'm, I'm sure we will get to. Uh, that I, I think we've seen over the course of these last... Uh, last couple days, Joel Embiid pass him in the in the MVP odds, uh, which should be. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. I'm, I'm not surprised, and and we'll have to. Well, I mean, that's that could continue to evolve as well, based off of what these upcoming games look like. But it does sort of feel like over the course of these last seven games, the momentum has clearly swung to Joel Embiid in that race, not to Giannis Antetokounmpo for some reason. It definitely feels like. It's been uh, Joel Embiid entirely, but uh, deservedly so. Those guys, they've won eight in a row. They're nine and one in their last ten. Definitely feels like they've taken this era, this part of the season more seriously than the Nuggets have, and that does have ramifications. And Embiid's been great. Embiid has been fantastic, but let's focus on the Nuggets. Let's focus on where they are at. Um, I think that like over the course of these, these this last week specifically, We'll talk about Porter in the second segment because I think we've, we've got plenty to say about him. But Jamal Murray in this game has 20 points in the first quarter. Are you more interested in the 20 points in the quarter or that he had five points the rest of the game? I think the five points is explainable by the fact that he didn't need to score the rest of the game. You know, he had three assists as well in the, in the first half. So, you know, he was playmaking a little bit. Uh, but I think a lot of this has to do with he was sending an early message to the Brooklyn Nets. And I think it was that he was on and that there's nothing you're going to be able to do to contain me. And so to get 20 points from one of your second or third best player, which, you know, I think it's your second, but in a stretch, maybe your third, I think to get 20 points from him, the start to game, 
that's huge because all they have is wings and guards. So if we can't stop Murray in the first quarter, then how are we going to be able to deal with Jokic if he starts turning it up and wants to play aggressive, you know, for the rest of the game? So the 20 points meant more because that carries over from Murray shooting five of seven from three against the Knicks. And then the very next game shooting four of four, and he was getting shots off the dribble. Whenever Murray is feeling comfortable, meaning he's hitting his fadeaway, he's hitting shots off the dribble, he's getting there in transition, he's even having a little bit of flair to his game. You know, he likes to do that behind the back multiple times and to get into sets and all that. Whenever he's doing that, I think that you know he's feeling good in the team, the vibes around the team get even better. So I was actually more impressed about the 20 in the first quarter than I was concerned about the five and the rest of the game, given the fact that everybody else was going off. Definitely think I'm with you. I think that we haven't seen that many quarters from Murray like that, where he has started games off well, and and he started off, I think, the Detroit game really well. He started off the Knicks game pretty well. And it was this this last one that he, he really turned it up a notch. And anytime you get 20 points in a quarter – and it basically matches what the opposing team is able to do during that stretch. It just gives your team so much confidence that the rest of the game, they're going to have this advantage. And Denver did have this advantage to the point where they were able to kind of mess around when, when the starters came back in in the fourth and it didn't really matter that much, but it was good. It was a, it was a good thing to see. I think that Murray's gone a little bit underrated over the course of these last couple of weeks, just because he has been taking a lot of threes still. He has been making a lot of threes still. And it does it I, I think like the the finishing, the two-point shooting, it could be better. The decision making could be better. Uh, I just think that that's gonna tighten up in the playoffs. I really do. By the way, uh Jamal Murray, just even the last 20 games, you know, this also goes, this extends um to the uh, game without Jokic, uh when they played against the Pacers, and then they mm-hmm. obviously had that stretch versus uh, the Pelican to Warriors in Atlanta when he just went nuts. Jamal is averaging 23 points a game, 7.4 assists, 4 rebounds, 45% from field, 40% from three, and 84% from the free throw line. So that's, that's great. That's all-star. That's that's literally an all-star level player. So I think the thing is that Murray has been incredible. But, Ryan, just think about if he didn't have this massive slump he went on, basically from the Cleveland game and its efficiency on – and let me say that the Cleveland game through the the Raptors game, especially, you know, like if he didn't have that slump, his numbers would be even better. But welcome to the Jamal Murray experience. I don't know if anybody's been on board this shit before, but you're going to get this in the regular season. So I think he's been very good uh, over the last 20 or 30 games. Yeah, it, it will always be a little bit inefficient. It will always be, and especially like during those stretches, they're always going to drag it down a little bit, but it also is like I want to. I want to be able to say this without acting like I'm just coming to Murray's defense for every little thing. It is really hard to play next to Nikola Jokic sometimes because he has to both be aggressive and passive and know when to push his own buttons and know when to set up Jokic the entire time and know when to get others involved and be a point guard versus knowing how to be the scorer and having that blend is really difficult. And then he has to change his entire mentality when he's the only guy on the court and it's, it's him and four bench guys. So I do think that it is a, it's a different mentality that he has to have. He's going to have to be extremely aggressive when the playoffs come. And I think he'll turn that up and it's not going to be as much of an issue as, as I think some of the bench lineups have been this year. But I I do think people they both undersell and oversell the impact that Jokic can have on somebody's game because he always has to defer to Jokic. That's always a requirement. And that is both a good thing and a bad thing because people will get mad at you for not being as aggressive and not shooting as much as you need to. And they'll also get mad at you if you're uh, taking too many possessions away from Jokic. That's just kind of how it is. You know, what's funny. Um, You know, I think sometimes, and I, I guess I'll speak for myself here because I, I definitely have had frustrations with Murray in the last week. But it's not with Murray as a basketball player. I mean, I mean, there are people right now that can tell you that I, I think if you get a playoff series with Devin Booker and Jamal Murray, I think Jamal Murray is going to be in a situation of matching him pound for pound. I think he's that good. But I also know that Jamal sometimes, the way that he gets 
in and out of the sets, his speed getting down the court, setting up the offense. Sometimes defensively he can be a little lax. Like even today, the Joe Harris three, when he got hit in the chin and he kind of like stopped playing and the Joe ends up hitting a three. Now again, we did get you know, elbowed got, in the face. Like. Right, yeah. He got hit, he got hit in the chin, right. So I think and sometimes he does over dribble, but it's just because he's so good, so good as an on-ball creator that sometimes he gets himself in spots, but not often where he gets like trapped, like even today, he got trapped. He didn't know he couldn't get the ball up. He couldn't pass the ball anywhere, and he couldn't get a shot up. And that happened twice in this game versus the net. But you you live with that because you know what you're going to get when it when it counts. Um, and so I think he's been really good. I just think that sometimes you want more from Jamal in the same way you want more out of players like Devin Booker, Shea Gogas, Alexander, and even De'Aaron Fox now. You know, I think that Nuggets fans see him on a similar tier as those players. But his play, it goes in and out of those success points far too often, I think, sometimes. There's no doubt that, especially just coming off of this injury, he has not been I, – I do think that he was getting to a point before the injury where he was consistent in doing that every single night. Uh, it just – it's tough, and, and he's going to need some distance away from that thing. I mean, look at what Clay Thompson has done for most of this mm-hmm. year where you, you now see, hey, this is what happens when you get to play for a year straight without having any major setbacks. You just – get into a better flow on a consistent basis and everybody then loves you for it. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. Like I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be just fine. And I still predict that he will be an all-star next year after Denver finally gets the respect that they deserve because that's been a long time coming, I think, but anything else you want to cover uh, from this past week before we hit a break? Uh, Yeah, we're not going to get a lot to it, but I think Zeke Naji makes a world of a difference for the bench. Um, I think ideally for me, you told me this is crazy. I think Bruce Brown, uh, you know, sitting next to either one of uh, KCP or whoever you want to put there, but a uh, Bruce Brown, uh, KCP, Christian Brown, Blocko Chanchar, Jeff Green, Dignaji lineup. I think defensively, that gives you so much versatility. And if that's something they can use consistently and they can put that kind of front out there, I would actually be really happy to see that as a playoff rotation because I think that gives you an opportunity to defend at a high level and to run. And I think when you're on your bench, if you're not utilizing Jokic minutes, I think that the more stops you can get and the more transition opportunities you can get, I think it's for the better. And so I think, again, Zeke really showed his value today, even as a switch defender, it was incredible. No doubt. Like, it's been it's been great to see Zeke. Uh, Freddie says, so happy to see Zeke. I, I, I agree, man. Like, it's been... It's been a while since since Nuggets fans have been able to see Zeke Naji. Obviously, the Thomas Bryant experience hasn't really worked out that well. The level of impact that he's had in these games has not been good enough. And it would be nice for Denver to get back to that identity where they are switching, they're defending, they're rebounding, they're running. There are going to be some issues in the half court. There's going to be some stuff where offensively they're not going to be able to score at all. But in general, if the Nuggets can at least find a lineup where either Murray's out there or KCP's out there or Porter's out there, somebody like that when Jokic is off the floor, then there are some good opportunities for Denver to go on, I don't know, eight to six runs, eight to four runs at the beginning of a, of a second quarter where you need to just buy some minutes mm-hmm. without Nikola Jokic out there during a playoff game. and. If you can prevent the opposing team from scoring, that means just as much as if you score yourself. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, I know it's not going to be pretty offensively, but for me at this point, look, man, I just want y'all to load up and I want y'all to buck up defensively. And I think if they're able to do that, that actually ages them quite well in a playoff setting. <laughs> Casey, shout out, shout out my guy. Uh, he says in, in the comments, Ryan, we got to cover your hair. Great cut, my dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really appreciate it. I, I got multiple comments heading into this uh, heading into this weekend's with Swipe a, a StreamYard setup that we've got. So really appreciate it, <laughs> man. People people gassing me up a little bit too much now, Swipe. It's crazy. Nah, man. People appreciate you. They know what a good haircut looks like when they see it. <laughs> Just me, Alex Caruso with gray hair. That's Christian Brown. all right folks let's take a break when we come back we are going to discuss the rise of michael porter jr but first everybody this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at superbook sports 
Superbook gives you the chance every single week to go head-to-head -head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. And especially during March Madness, you're going to want that. You're going to need that because Superbook is taking care of you. So download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Weekends with Swipe. All right, we are back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Swipe a cam here. Weekends with Swipe on the deck right now. Uh, really appreciate everybody. Make sure to go give a like on both Swipe's YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, or the, the MHS YouTube channel. It's not mine. Uh, but really appreciate all the love, folks. It, it has been awesome these first few episodes with Swipe. But I think we've done a pretty good job in general. Uh, but now let's get into... This guy, uh, the rise of Michael Porter Jr. He has been, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to cede the floor to you. I want to hear your initial thoughts on Michael Porter Jr. season and where he stands with the Nuggets right now. You know, I have consistently said that Porter has an unbelievable ceiling. And as he gets older, and as he understands the game more, that there are going to be levels to his effectiveness that he'll be able to reach that not many other players will in his position. Um, I said it's coming into the season. I think he could be a top 10-ish small forward. Um, and Porter has done literally everything asked of him and more, and he's gone through adversity, namely being benched in the fourth quarter uh, in the Nets game originally when he had 20, what, 22 points, 23 points in like 22 minutes. Um and then he comes out today, Ryan, in the first half and basically has like 15 and seven rebounds. And this is when Jokic needed help rebounding because, again, he was getting out of position because of the way that the Nets were playing. So he needed somebody to help him inside, and Porter did that. And Porter has just been so locked in. And defensively, he has made so many strides this year that he has become a legitimate option for them if they need help positioning at the rim, you know, he'll still get beat sometimes. Like, again, uh, the Brooklyn Nets game in Denver, they had that little switch out, short roll to Claxton. Claxton did a pump fake, Porter jumped. He got a dunk. We'll still see that. But we're not looking at Porter like we used to and saying that, what is he doing? Like, why is he getting beat consistently? Now, again, even if it does happen, he's able to make up for it by at least trying to get in position. And then offensively, he is such an unbelievable solvent for the Nuggets, that if you get Murray and Jokic, and again, Ryan, you've been watching every game, every dribble. What teams are doing now when they're trying to Jokic is, but they'll bring backside help because when they're doing a two-man game, they don't want Jokic just to get a free roll anymore. So now they'll bring up whoever is guarding that little wing player to the corner player. That man will step up into the basket to try to prevent him from rolling to basically give him another double-team level format. And then Porter is sitting on the cross the court looking for the entry pass just to make sure he can get a three up. Porter's been attacking the rim ride. Porter's been hitting his threes. Porter's been running the court in transition. Porter's been playing half-court defense when he, you know, again, he had a foul versus Mikhail today that he got out of position for. Again, that happens. But Porter has done it. And so Porter, even in the last 15 games, is like, you know, we've been kind of going in and out. He's averaging 19-6-1, and 53-44-86. Like, Ryan. He's hitting his free throws. I mean, he he's legitimately impressed me so much by the way he's handled himself. And the only complaint that he's had is that when he got benched, he just said basically, like, look, like I can't get back into a groove if I don't come in until the end of the fourth quarter. And I've been sitting for 20 minutes. But <laughs> I, I, I truly just believe, man, that I don't think anybody could have asked for more from Porter this year, given the context. And the fact that he's been as committed to team winning basketball as he has. I remember predicting numbers 
for Porter. And somebody asked me about stat lines and things like that and what I thought Murray would average, what I thought Jokic would average. And it's honestly all lined up pretty similarly to what I thought. It's just, it's been great. It's been great to see. Uh, But Porter's numbers, they aren't like, they aren't crazy. Mm -hmm. They aren't to the point where you're like, oh man, he's having this massive breakout season. It's been crazy. He's just, just uh, taking the leap. And yet I feel so much better about him. I feel so much better based off of all of the, itty bitty little things that he has improved on across the board. Astrid has it right too. Uh, it's been like, he has been the most approved player, certainly on the nuggets. I, I got to give the nod to like guys like Shay and Larry Markin if we're actually awarding the thing, but uh, the maturity that he has played with on both ends of the floor is something that we didn't see before. It's something that Back in the 2020-21 season where he was trying to figure out his game, he was trying to figure out his stuff around Murray, and then Murray goes down and he steps up as a scorer, has to go through growing pains in the playoffs, and then he gets hurt in the playoffs, and then he gets hurt in game, like has to deal with other injuries, but then nail in the coffin in game nine of last season. And he has so much time off that you just have no idea what to expect. No idea what he will bring to the table from a consistency standpoint, from a legitimacy standpoint. Like, are you, are you going to be an everyday player? Are you going to be a 30 minute per game guy? Can you finish games? Are you going to be able to defend? And he's answered every question, every single one. And it's been awesome. It's been flat out awesome to see him expand his game, to see him retract his game when it's necessary and to make things simple and excel at every single aspect of that. Right. I mean, Ryan, he went from being the consensus number one overall player in his draft class, the injuries, all that stuff. He has completely molded his game around Nikola Jokic. Think about that. He has literally molded everything he does on both sides of the ball to cover up the deficiencies and to – lift up the strengths of Joker by being a tremendous off-ball cutter, a tremendous closeout attacker as a, as a shooter or driving to the basket. He doesn't dribble a whole lot. And then on top of that, he crashes the board, namely why you saw him dunk on Joker to Nick Claxton today. <laughs> so he – yeah, I just, I just think, man, like one of the underappreciated things about him is sometimes it takes guys a while. And it took Joker – you know, it took Porter a while because he was young. But literally for him to be like, we have the back-to-back maybe three-time MVP on our roster. I'm going to do whatever I can to fit my game around him because that's the way this is going to work. From what he was, right? you remember when we first saw him in rookie year, that first breakout game he had versus the Patriots, he had 25 points. But what was it? A bunch of step-backs, some heavy tween-tween step-backs, some dribbles, duh, you know, a little mid-ranges. He doesn't do a lot of that anymore. Now, the most he'll do is like a sidestep or a pump fake or drive to the basket to get contact. But, yeah, man, I just uh, I just can't say enough about what he's done, man. And I think, you know, we're going to see for real. Because it's going to be a dogfight in the playoff, Brian. Like, it's going to be a dogfight. And Porter's going to be so important to what they want to get done. But I, I just have so much hope that he's going to be able to handle the belt. And he's clutch. Like, he's legitimately he's a clutch player, you know. So, like, I think all that's going to help. Max has a good point uh, on arguably the second most consistent guy. Um, arguably the Nuggets' second most consistent guy right now. And I, I say that as somebody who really likes and supports what Jamal's done. I say that acknowledging that AG was probably that guy early on in the season. Those guys have gone through their lulls. Those guys have yeah. both in the effort level, the intensity level, and just the effectiveness have definitely gone through their lulls. There's no doubt about that. But with Porter, sometimes the shooting isn't going to go down. But for the most part, it's been really good every single night. I'm looking back at each of the previous, uh, how many games is this? This is 16 games. He's had one, two, where he shot under 40%. Right. And he shoots so many threes and and difficult shots with it, even though it's within the flow sometimes where he can take some of those crazy shots and make them. And there's no doubt that uh, the nuggets need him to keep taking those. That's just like how 
Steph and Clay and Draymond, they need those guys to be able to take the tough shots and make those within the flow as much as they can because it forces the opposing team to react as much as they do. The reason why Porter is now driving with such success is because of his ability to take those shots and make those shots and hit some crazy shots. But the mentality shift where he doesn't always have to do that to be successful, I think that's really helped him. And it's rounded out his game to the point where I don't think the Nuggets are so reliant on Porter to be an elite three-point shooter that like he could have a two of seven game and they'll be fine because Porter in the flow of things will get to the rim. He'll get to the mid-range. He'll get to the free throw line. He'll do all of those things now. And that's just not something that he's had consistently before. So really cool to see him kind of break that out. And I'm excited to continue to see where it goes. Yeah, he had a hockey assist today. Um, He got the ball and, you know, old Porter, he does that little pump fake over and then he'll shoot the fadeaway. But he didn't. He gave the ball back to Joker and then Joker ended up beating Aaron Gordon down in the dunker spot. Uh, who would wall it off Mikael Bridges, I think. So even stuff like that, like, he's seeing the game better. But he's 24. Like, he's so young still. You know what I mean? Like, his prime is literally years away. So everything comes down with him, Lord willing, is just his health. If that dude is able to stay healthy, the arc that he could be on as a player, Lord willing, I mean, I really think it's going to be special to watch him. I don't know whether he's going to be the second-best guy in the playoffs. I don't really think about it that way. I think that Jokic is going to be the best guy. He'll average probably 30 points a night, somewhere close to that, like 30, 13, and 7 is is what I would expect. And then where Murray steps up, where Porter steps up, where Gordon steps up, you just need enough guys to step up around Joker to fill in the gaps. Because I I don't think the Nuggets need that much more than that, man. Like what what Jokic does in these playoff runs – 30-13-7 and and me not having to bat an eye while saying that, I think it's pretty crazy for one. Uh, But for another, Denver's got a lot of guys that can do exactly what I just said. They don't have to put up 25 a night. Murray doesn't have to put up 25 a night. Porter doesn't have to put up 25 a night to be successful. All they need is for those guys to have moments and for those guys to step up when they need to. And I think they will. I think that Porter is now very well suited and very well positioned to be a guy that steps up in moments. Kind of like last year for the Warriors where Andrew Wiggins stepped up when he needed to. They they wasn't winning that championship unless Andrew Wiggins did what he did last year. Oh, my God. Like There were times where he was the best player on the floor. It was crazy. He's just doing crazy stuff. And so if Porter has moments where he's the best player on the floor – How crazy is that going to be for the Nuggets? How crazy is that going to be for the opposing team? But he has the capability. It's crazy. Right. Can you just can you just imagine a world where you know Jokic is going off in the second round versus the Suns and Porter is is matching Kevin Durant shot for shot? Just live there for a minute. Just live there. That that would be a great that would be a great sight to see. He definitely has the capabilities to do it. Man, that would be fun. It would be fun. I want to see it. I do want to see it, and and he still has some things to prove. Jamal still has some things to prove. Jokic still has some things to prove. There's no doubt about it. But I I think anybody that is looking at these last couple weeks, and I know that we did the last couple weeks already, but anybody that's looking at the last couple of weeks, ignoring the fact that Porter has played the way that he has played, that Murray has kind of stepped out of things a little bit over the course of these last three games, and that Jokic is still putting up crazy numbers, Denver's going to lock in, and they're going to be fine. They are going to figure things out, and and the the playoffs are going to be one thing, and they're they're still going to have to figure some things. But they have a third guy now. They have a third guy that I I think you can go to absolute war with and know that in a tough situation, he has just as much of a capability to show up as anybody else on the roster, if not more so. I think I trust Michael Porter right now more than I trust Aaron Gordon. And I think that that says a lot because Aaron Gordon was a borderline all-star heading into the all-star break. Aaron Gordon also last 20 games shooting 31% from three. And he hasn't, has not made a three-pointer, by the way, I want to say since 
He hasn't made a three-pointer since the game versus the Brooklyn uh, Nets last game. So Jeez. a little bit of a slump. A little bit of a slump right now. He even looks like he's not as confident shooting the ball. But, again, you know, I think everybody just needs to get through this stretch. I think Aaron Gordon, he has a chance to have a player to game level performance versus the 76ers, given how they are going to guard Joker when that game comes around. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. It's it's enjoyable to be able to have these moments where you get to see the positivity with Porter. You get to see a, a Murray flurry in the first quarter of this last game. You get to see Jokic do what he needs to do in order to get a W. Everybody is still having their moments where they're stepping up, but I think that with Michael Porter specifically, the rise cannot be understated. If he hadn't done this, then the Nuggets would be up a creek. They would not have the capability on both sides of the court in order to win a title. And the fact that Michael Porter is playing the way that he's playing gives me a lot of confidence that the Nuggets can do what they need to do in four straight rounds. Yeah, man. You know, I think the thing is, is all three of those players and, and Gordon, you know, they're all in improvements, as you said. Every one of them has something to prove. Gordon, first two games in that Warriors series, but getting bodied by Draymond Green. Will that happen again? Murray, what's the bubble of the fluke? We'll find out. Porter, are you actually a guy that can get it done consistently through a playoff run, and can you defend at the level you need to? And Joker, are you really possibly the best player of your generation? All those questions are on the table, and so we'll find out. We'll find out. On the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. tell you what folks let's take a break when we come back we're gonna preview this upcoming week including a massive battle between the nuggets and the milwaukee bucks featuring Giannis antetokounmpo and nikola Jokic. we will be right back segment swipe a camp here weekends with swipe on pickaxe and roll on ryan blackburn thank you so much everybody for tuning in let's preview the final week uh not the final week we've still got plenty more but this is one of the final weeks of the season and we are in a very interesting place with this nuggets team where it feels like they've stabilized a little bit after a pretty low point they could always lose to the washington wizards and then that that makes it feel even worse Uh, But these upcoming two games that Denver has, they've got two days off in between each of them, which is very rare, heading into the final days, heading into the final week. So what do you make of these two games upcoming, Swipe Up? The NBA has an agenda, and the fact that they gave the Denver Nuggets two days of rest before that Bucs game, and then the Bucs are coming off a back-to-back, I think this is a flip. Because I believe that's the same situation the Nuggets were in when they played the Bucs the first time. The Bucs had two days off. And then the Nuggets had to play them off the back-to-back. So the funny thing is, I love this because I do think they're going to beat Washington because where Washington is, I just don't think – I just think I think they're going to take it, get it done there. Um, but that Bucks game, the Bucks have to play – they have to play everybody because they need to hold on to that one seed. And right now, the Sixers are chomping at the, their heels and the Celtics are right there. So then the Nuggets, they – because they took two weeks off of basketball, they're in a situation where they can't just coast now – so this is going to be, I think, Ryan, potentially game of the year level type of deal where you got two, I think, the two best players in the NBA who are going to be at their apex with rest. And, you know, Giannis, I feel like Giannis does better the more adversity. He's like back-to-back. You had the audacity to put me in a back-to-back against Joker? All right, I'm going to give you 110% of the very best that I got. And then you got Joker – getting a chance to go hang out with his family, relax, watch a couple horse videos, you know, relax a little bit, step away from the grind of traveling, come back in, maybe, maybe a fresh haircut. You never know. So I think it's going to be a monster level game. And I just can't wait to see it. Jokic and I follow the same haircut schedule. So like, it's going to be, it's going to be a couple months, I think, before we get another haircut Jokic game. I've got, I got no doubt, but uh, look, man, I, I think that, 
Giannis will probably not have to try too hard in the front end of that back-to-back. It's against the Utah Jazz, if I'm not mistaken. They should be like far and away a better team than the Jazz, even if the Jazz are in their own building on that one. And if, if they can come away with a 20-point victory in that one where uh, they don't really have to try that hard and Giannis is playing like 25 minutes as opposed to 35 minutes, then it's a little bit different and it, it won't feel like as much of a slight to the Bucks in, in that particular matchup. But they've still got to travel. They still will be coming into Denver uh, pretty late in, in that particular game. Uh, I'm very curious to see what, what the Bucks ultimately bring. Drew Holiday will be shadowing Jamal Murray for that entire game. That's going to be a tough one for him. Uh, but it is one where you, where you absolutely have to prepare. You absolutely have to... Uh, if, if you're Drew, like he'll be staying attached to Murray as much as he can. But with the way that Brooke Lopez plays drop, with the way that they like to guard most of their actions, I'm not sure that it's really going to help that much. I, I still think that the Nuggets can put up a whole bunch of points against that Bucks team, and it's not even going to matter that much. But, hey, you never know. Maybe they decide to to front him with Giannis and to rotate over on the backside with Brooke and have Brooke Lopez guard uh, Aaron Gordon. That would be interesting, too. No, no. The Bucks are not going to change up their defensive scheme for Joker. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Man, they're going to play Brooke, and they're going to have Giannis' weak side. They're going to play that drop, and it's going to be Jamal Murray, drop coverage, Drew Holiday, Michael Porter Jr. in the corner. I'm telling you, man. And so the funny thing is, if the Bucks scheme actually plays into what the Nuggets like to do, and so I'm actually really curious how the solve is going to look. Uh, Joker, last time he played Giannis, I think he had like 36, 15, and 10 or something like that. Two games, two games ago with Murray on the court. And then the last one we played against Giannis, he had 18, 15, and 10 in three quarters. So Joker likes playing against Giannis. The last time we saw them was the Euro basket when Joker had that three-point Sombord shuffle, uh, I think at the World Cup qualifier uh, in the right corner. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I, I love Giannis. I think Giannis is incredible. I think he is just uh, – absolute machine and he's going to give you the best he got i love watching brooke lopez too man so the i don't know if you remember this this was maybe three seasons ago you remember when brooke lopez had eight three-pointers in denver i think it's 2018 19 year yeah i do remember that it was a very wild occurrence and denver just couldn't really figure out how they had to keep Jokic out of the paint on defense they had to you know guard guard brooke lopez that's a crazy thing crazy concept but I mean, the dude was a seven foot two dude, just splashing threes, splash mountain. Like I understand it, it was a it was a crazy thing at the time, but I think they'll they'll be a little bit more uh, ready for that heading into this. Right. And by the way, I wanted to ask you. I don't know if you got a chance to dive into the film. Um, have you have you liked what you've seen from the Nuggets and their defensive covers, the changes they've made against some of those smaller lineups? Uh, they did it today versus the Nets as well. And they also left Jokic on ISO versus Spencer Dinwiddie a couple of times. I don't know if you had any thoughts on what you kind of see. Well, I like it. I, I think that they should be switching. I think that they should just give up the switch a lot of the time and just give help. Don't, like, compromise your scheme. Try to shrink the floor a little bit. And the most important thing for Denver when they, when they switch those is that they're not in rotation on the backside where they're having all of those other guys have to cover space from the paint to the three. And if Jokic gets burned, so be it. As long as he doesn't pick up fouls, so be it. Like The most important thing in those cases is if he gives up like a pull-up two, for example, and those guys hit it 55 60% of the time, that's a good shot. That's, that's really good value on offense, especially in the half court. But then you get to reset your possession, and you, you don't necessarily have to give it up the next time around. You could – double the next time around you could rotate out i don't know if you saw the ben taylor video uh thinking basketball that i that was a really really interesting video and and i think that everybody that's watching this when you're done watching us go watch ben taylor's thinking basketball video where he has the scram switch uh the peel switch that the nuggets are doing in the pick and roll and and in iso with Jokic when he's out ISO'd. I think it's a really interesting concept that could help protect Joker at least a little bit. And and all you need is, is a little bit on the margins, and then Denver's got enough on the offensive end. Yeah, I noticed that too uh, when they were playing at Ness. And so if you haven't seen it, definitely go watch it. Uh, but one of the things is 
when Jokic is, if they're going to run a screen and they're playing small offense, when they're bringing Jokic up to the level, what they'll do is they'll do a, a somewhat of a switch, and then KCP or Bruce Brown, whoever's up top with him, will come and collapse. And then what happens is they do a straight rotation. Jokic will then back and execute it almost to the block. And then he'll rotate from corner to wing to wing to top. And then you kind of reset the position. And I actually loved it. And I remember they they ran it incorrectly a couple of times versus the Nets at home. But when I first saw it, I was like, I actually kind of like this concept. I really love what he brought up about Steph Curry. You know, Steph Curry will show really heavy. And then if you try to bring him back on that second screen, Draymond will then come around. And then they'll just send him over to the wing in the first place. So, yeah, man, I think there's a lot you can do. But I'm not going to lie to you, Ron. If you got to tell me that nobody's got to guard CP3 in space in the second round, by all means, by all means, I, I'll take that. I'll take it every single time. Hey, man, if, if CP3 beats you, then CP3 beats you. As long right. as it's not Devin Booker, as long as it's not Kevin Durant, then, like, you, you've got something going there. And then there's there's some positivity there where, look, they're going to have to figure some other stuff out. But in general, I, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay with them experimenting with some things. They've experimented with zone, obviously. I do think that the one thing when Joker's out on the perimeter is that he just does not close out hard enough. And if he closes out a little bit harder, he probably will in the playoffs, by the way, but he can't be fearful of getting beat because if he gets beat, it's just going to start the rotation behind him. And, and then they'll, they'll try to fix the rotation after that. But like, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. He just cannot give up open threes. That's the most important thing. Yeah, he's the opposite of this new Christian Brown we're getting. He closes out a little bit too hard on three pointers. Yeah, that's that's true. A little bit uh, overzealous, Christian Brown. But uh, either way, let's last or these up, these upcoming two games against Washington against Milwaukee. What do you think they go in this upcoming stretch? I'm not gonna lie to you, brother. I see a two and zero streak coming, um, and I think it's because they're gonna have to take care of business because they can't mess around anymore. And they got the momentum. I do expect them to take care of Washington. And they're actually playing an elite team. The thing is, Nuggets, they don't not play well against elite teams. They're 18 and 9 versus team number 500, I want to say right now. I got to go look at the uh, the record and stuff again. But they play very well versus very good teams because they believe that that's their actual competition. So uh, I'm actually really, I, I think if they take care of Washington, they, they win, they get that rest. I think that they're going to put on like a little bit of a masterclass performance versus the Bucks. I'm thinking so too. I think this is going to be a fun one. It will be, it will be a very, very interesting matchup just from how, how serious are the Bucks going to take it? Is Aaron Gordon going to be up for the challenge physically against Giannis or is he going to foul out? Because if he fouls out or, or gets into a situation where Denver's lineups are compromised, then who guards him in that situation? Is it Jeff Green? Is it Michael Porter? Is it Zeke Naji? Like, Zeke Naji already has a bad shoulder. You really want to have him facing Giannis? Like, that seems like a bad idea. Uh, but in general, the Nuggets, they're going to have a lot to figure out. They're going to have a lot with him uh, to, to really try to manage. But I do think that as long as they, as long as they're intense on their rotations and they're very focused in on the executing offensively, there should be no reason why they can't score against the Bucs. Like I, and that's that's earlier, easier said than done, given that the Bucs are probably the best defense in the league. Yeah, I think the thing is, though, the people, if you don't watch the Nuggets, the thing that the Bucs do well is they try to take away you at the rim. But the thing is, the Nuggets are a good shooting team. So that comes down to their, do they convert opportunities when they present themselves? It's going to come down to KCP, MPJ, Murray in the drop, and then the bench, can you get some of those shots that are going to go? Christian Brown, when he plays, he's going to get shots up. Bruce Brown's going to get shots up. And Jokic is going to have to really take care of the interior. So, um, But somewhat, again, Jokic just does better versus, like, Brook and Giannis. I don't really know what it is about, like, maybe it's just the physicality, like the way they play. It's just, I, you know, if anything, I think Jokic versus Embiid, because Embiid draws Jokic out of the paint so much. Is what's going to be the problem. Whereas Giannis, everything he's doing is coming towards the paint. So, therefore, you've got to kind of put a wall up against him. So, uh, I'm expecting a pretty good performance from everybody. Uh, I'm actually curious to see kind of how some of the role players are going to respond to that matchup. Yeah, it should be fun. A real tester for this Nuggets team. That Hopefully, they've gotten right over the course of this road trip. And then that'll be the ultimate test. Can you show up in these big moments, in these big matchups at home, 
defend your home court, uh, or is the other team going to come in and bully you? Because that that's a it's a fair question. It is a fair criticism if you're the Nuggets and they they have these opportunities where they've had against Boston earlier this season did pretty well. Memphis did pretty well. Uh, the Clippers, the, the Warriors, they've done pretty well in those matchups too. So there's there's a lot to like. There's a lot to be positive about, but there's also some there are some possibilities that that it doesn't go well for Denver. But uh, either way, I think two and zero is a good fair uh, assessment here. Let's now get into non Nuggets game of the week: Suns at Kings on Friday of this upcoming. I do think that this this one, the Suns, if they want any chance of moving out of the top or out of the four five bracket, they are going to want to win that game. But it's also possible that the Suns drop the six. I don't think it's it's set in stone based off of the based off of what the standings are right now. But the Kings have a chance to really solidify the two seed if they can. That would be very interesting. Suns, Warriors, go all the way over there. Go ahead and move all the way over there on the other side of the bracket. I would look after I saw the Phoenix Suns have the hospital run in twenty twenty one. The Bucks had some injury luck in twenty twenty one. Last year, the Maverick got some injury luck and some schedule luck and some, you know, all that other stuff. Look, if you're telling me the Nuggets got to run through a little bit easier timeline than having to face the the Warriors, Suns, and then, I don't know, the the Clippers or whoever, then, then fine. But I also know that the Suns are very good. But Kevin Durant going to have three games, three games played with them in the regular season. So – if I'm them, I want to put myself in, in the best situation possible to see if I can get home court to at least try to mitigate uh, some of the issues they might run into in the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to need some time. They are, they are going to need some time with KD. Obviously, KD is one of those guys that you just plug him in and it usually goes pretty well because he's probably the most malleable offensive superstar in the league where you sort of have to have a system tailored around Jokic, around Steph, around guys like that. But with KD, like he'll just like okay, he'll be the spot up shooter, he'll be the ISO guy, he'll be the secondary creator, he'll be whatever you need him to be, which is cool. It's a, it's a great cheat code to have for them. So if they can get him back before the season, I'll be very interested. I'll be watching all of those games for sure. But uh, like like you said, they they need time to at least get accustomed to what happens when you hit the low points. And because I think Denver's actually had that, where Denver. You've seen them go through the low points, and now they're kind of they're hoping on the other side of it. Where you've seen some, you've seen some positive things come from it. You've seen some growth come from it. What are the Suns going to do when that adversity hits? I'm not really sure. So we'll find out. Uh, now takes from the future, sir. Last week you proclaimed that Jokic would be the three-time MVP. Uh, I, I know you're not gonna you're not gonna back out on that take, but I, I just want to know: are, are you are you regretting saying it so soon? No, and I think the reason is, is I even said that at the seven sixers today to get the number one overall seed in the East, and they would which maybe the NBA too. I think Embiid will win it, and he should. But I think to do that in that conference would be incredible. Um, but here's the thing: it took a crazy off court narrative and Jokic going basically two and five. For him to even get to where it's a conversation again. But over the course of an 82-game season, though, like I think that's a very small timeline. But, again, all that comes down to if Jokic plays well the last 10 games of the year and the Nuggets continue to build on their – you know, they win uh, – they're at 48 wins right now, I think. Yeah. If they win 55 games, 56 games, and they beat the Bucks, the 76ers, the Suns, and the Kings, and the Warriors, where they beat four of those five teams – yeah, I mean, Jokic is going to have to play incredible for them to do that anyway. So um, I think everything is right in front of him to do that. And I think that because it's so late in the season, because of that way the year is gone, I think that he's going to win it anyway. But, yeah, I mean, I do think he needs to maybe get back that triple-double. I think he needs 14 assists to get the triple-double again. So I think that probably needs to happen, though, in order to help amplify that conversation. Yeah, got to average the full triple-double. Can't, can't do the 9.9 or the 9.8 or anything like that. Everybody well, please tell like, KCP oh, to hit his threes, bro. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. They they need him. Uh, and, and KCP got back on track just right at the end of this Nets game. So good on KCP. Hopefully that can that can sustain going forward. But my take from the future last week was that MPJ would have a 40 point game. Didn't happen. I thought that Murray would be sitting out a couple of these games. And 
Uh, that obviously didn't happen. So we will see what it what it ultimately looks like. But hey, got 28 points out of him, and and this was a a really impressive performance. This last one, where he probably could have had at least 35 if a couple of those other ones in the fourth quarter go down. So yeah. Let's see, sir. You have an upcoming take from the future for us, or shall I go? Go ahead, brother. I think that Jokic is going to win both of the games against Giannis and Embiid, and he's going to combine for 60 points, 40 (laughs) rebounds, and 20 assists. Goodness gracious. Oh, golly. Uh, so James Harden, basically. Um, wow. 60. You said 60, 40, 20? Yep. Or 60. 60, 40, 20? Yep. So you're saying 40 rebounds in two games. Okay. Can I abbreviate it to 35? <laughs> 35 sounds a little bit kinder. but Right. I mean, I, I think he's going to go for a crazy rebounding number in some of these games. Like, yeah. The the one against I, I I actually here's how I think it's going to go uh, against Embiid. I think they're going to put AG on him at various points. I think they are going to take Jokic off of Embiid, and they're going to do exactly what the Sixers did to the Nuggets in their own building. And the Sixers are going to go like, what the hell are we supposed to do with this now? And Denver's going to switch all of the stuff against Embiid, and they're not going to put Jokic on him. They're going to put him on PJ Tucker or somebody like that. And they are going to do whatever they can to frazzle whatever the Harden and Embiid pick and roll has been. And that will allow Jokic to focus on rebounding. And I think that he's going to grab like 15 to 20 boards in that game. And because that's what you that's what you need in those situations. You need like that's what Jokic needs in those situations. When he knows how important the game is, he's going to go to the glass first and foremost. And I think that that's going to be. A very interesting, uh, very interesting point there. But 60 points, 35 rebounds, 20 assists. That's my okay. that's my official prediction. I like that take. Well, given that that's going to be the following Monday, I will give you one for this week for the Bucks game. I think the Nuggets win. I think it's a masterclass performance. I think Jokic puts on a level, a kind of game, and the Nuggets put on a kind of game where people are just like, where was this for the last two weeks, basically? Yeah. I think that's going to be one of the things that's going to happen. I think Jokic is either going to have one of those 36, 17, 10 games, or it's going to be one of those games where he has 18, 16, 13, and it's like, uh, like there's just this is you can't, I can't stop him from playmaking. He's, you know, like nine of 11 from the field. He's not even shooting a lot. I can't do anything about that. And then Murray is going for 20. Porter's going for 20. And AG has like 15, 5, and 7 or something like that. I think that's probably how that's going to go. It's going to be one of those variables where it's going to be heavy playmaking or he's going to score a bunch of points. I hope that like, I, I really hope that the production actually happens just because there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of discussion around Jokic right now that like oh man he's just he's not aggressive enough he is not taking these games super seriously he's not putting his imprint on the game in the way that Giannis or an Embiid does he doesn't have to carry them as a scorer because he's got so many other great scorers on his team in Murray and Porter and AG when AG's hot and things like that I think that both of those things can be true and that Denver can like have Jokic shoot the ball 10 to 12 times and be fine but when he needs to, you better believe that Jokic is going to put up some crazy shot totals. He's going to be aggressive. And, and I think that this could be one of those times where he, especially in the second half of those games, will just look to take over when he needs to. Yeah, and I, I want to see these one-on-ones with, him, with, uh, with Jokic and Giannis too, man. I think there's just something to behold about, like, I think two of the best players uh, right now in the NBA, and they're both bigs. Uh, going at each other one-on-one. You know Giannis is going to press that right trigger. He's going to do his little sidestep, going to try to dunk. Jokic is going to try to body Giannis because he's bigger than him. And I think those are two, like, titans. Um, now, the Embiid thing is, I mean, right now with the way Embiid's playing, you almost better double him. And I mean, like, get the ball out of his hands now. 
because he is so hot as a scorer right now that he's, I mean, you think he's like 37 points a game on like 50, 50, like 85. He's just not missing. Like, he's just not missing right now. Like, his mid-range is on. Little step back is on. Little three-pointer is on. He's bullying people out the basket. I mean, the B's really – he's been incredible. So, this is probably his best streak of his career right now. No doubt. And and if he wins the MVP, it will be because he deserved it. Although, definitely got an assist from Kendrick. There's no doubt about that. But I, I don't know, man. We're, we're going to see. We're going to find out. It's going to be a lot of fun. But – uh, Swiper, you've been fantastic once again. We've gone for an hour here. Uh, really appreciate everybody for hanging out in the comments section. Make sure to go follow uh, Swiper over at Swiper Cam, myself at NBA Blackburn. Uh, really appreciate it. Michael, can you hit that outro music for us? That is going to do for everybody for this episode of Pickaxe. Swiper. Have a fun be a great week everybody have a great rest of your sunday we are excited to get this thing going and keep it going for the rest of the year peace guys thank you so much